Hello, and welcome to the Chicago Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Kitley, and I created this platform to have an opportunity to interview women who I look up to and admire, to inspire other women. Telling our stories to one another is how we connect on a deeper level, and knowing there are women who have gone before us and led the way is what gave me hope and motivated me in all aspects of my life. My intention is that it will do the same for you. Today, I have Marion Brooks, award-winning NBC Chicago anchor, investigative reporter, and creator of The Survivors Project. Thank you so much for being here, Marion. It is my pleasure, Kelly. Good to see you, Good sweetheart. Good to see you, too. Yeah. You know, I was walking my seven-year-old daughter to school this morning, and she said, Mom, you're so lucky that you get to interview that news lady. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You said, what? Forget no, about you're, that. you're a staple in our house. Aww, and, um, you. you know, it's very intimate having you in our living room every day. I'm such a news <laughs> junkie. And they're like, Mom, look, there's your friend. Um, but I wanted to talk about how I got to know you. Yeah. And, um, you know, you've been a Chicago anchor for a really long time. And all, I always looked up to you. You just have a strong presence. Aww, and thank you, Kelly. You're so authentic. Um, and you are one, you are my favorite news anchor and um, I was at a, a gala called uh, Porchlight Services it was a fundraiser um, a few years back and I happened to run into an old professor of mine uh, Maria Nanos who is the executive director and I turn the corner and I see that you're actually emceeing the event and um, you're my girl crush. So I was like, oh my gosh, Marianne Brooks is here. Okay, keep it cool, keep it cool. Um, and it was a really powerful evening. Um, and being able to talk to you afterwards, you're so approachable. And being able to open up and share my story is really how we connected. And um, I want to thank you for the platform. And I also want to talk to you a little bit about how did you're such an advocate and you have such a, um, a draw to social service and social justice and criminal justice. And tell us a little bit about how you became interested in this type of work and, um, you know, share your passion with us. Well, social and criminal justice has sort of always been where I have found myself and what has drawn me. Um, I think part of it is rooted in the African-American experience. I'm an African-American woman, grew up in the Pacific Northwest where we didn't have a lot of African-Americans, went to college at Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia. Which, all women, right? All women's college in the cradle of the civil rights area. Mm. In, in fact, Martin Luther King's sister went to Spelman. Uh, his daughter was in college while I was there. Oh my gosh. I know. And of course, he went to Morehouse College. So, I mean, really, it's, and he grew up near there. I mean, it's just such a part of the culture. Um, so, I think between those two, because in Portland, I, I remember really not thinking much about uh, race and justice necessarily, except my parents were very involved and we were always talking about you know, current events around the table. So, we were always engaged. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to, I wanted to, do something positive with my life. I think it became more crystallized as I went to to um, Spelman because I learned more about being an African American in this country. I mean, you, we've got two very disparate experiences, and I realized in Portland I sort of felt invisible. I didn't re I didn't know that at the time. 
Mm-hmm. When I was growing up there, I was I was very engaged and very involved and very much, you know, I, I call myself sort of, um, you know, I was assimilating. I was a, a black girl who was sort of everywhere. And I feel like I was trying to be a little white girl. Mm. Didn't think about it at the time sure. that way. But then when I went to college and I realized how cool it was and how deep our history is in this country, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is the best. I'm a black woman in this country and I'm going to change the world. <laughs> I wanted to go to Spelman. But <laughs> <laughs> it's empowering. I'm not going to lie. It uh-huh. is an empowering place for uh-huh. African-American women. Dare say all women. I would, I pray mm. my daughter <laughs> spend some time there. Um, but anyway, that I think is the, where the genesis of my desire to just to see people treated fairly mm. not just justice walking around in life um but in the criminal justice system there are obviously issues with the way african-americans are treated um women marginalized constantly regularly as well so mm-hmm. I, I that i think that's where sort of the passion for social and criminal justice was born okay and you if i remember correctly you got a degree in English, mm-hmm. is that correct? I did. And then we were joking before we went on air talking about your um, role as an intern at a radio station. And and so how did that evolve for you? Well, I it's funny, I wanted to get into media some way, had no idea because I did have an English major. Sort of a more traditional route is you go to a journalism program or you study journalism mm-hmm. and then you do internships at radio, newspaper, television, and that sort of is the beginning of how you get going. I graduated before I'd figured out that this is what I wanted to do or was about to graduate. So internships weren't on the table for me. So I just hustled and tried to figure out a way. You know how to, how the hustle goes, right? <laughs> you do. just find a way. And I took the first media job that Mm -hmm. I could find, which was a sales uh, position, a glorified sales position, management training position at a New York Times newspaper group. And then I went from there to radio and doing like, I was the rip and read girl back when we had wire copy that came off of a wire. I was not on air. I Uh was just trying to make my way doing traffic call, beat calls in the morning and ripping in the evening at the news radio station WGST (laughs) in Atlanta, Georgia. And then I got my first TV job in Greenville, Mississippi, and that, then I was sort of on my way. And what was that like? I mean, that talk about was, being in the trenches. <laughs> that was an eye-opening experience. It was a blessing to start off at Spelman and get my indoctrination in the South already mm-hmm. taken care of, mm-hmm. um, be, but it was still a huge culture shock to go really to an agricultural environment, a small town. I'd never lived in a small town. Mm-hmm. Um it was a beautiful place with wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. But boy, was there some institutional racism. My one example I always give people is, you know, Greenville, I believe at the time, was about 65% black, and they couldn't elect a majority on the city council. Oh, my gosh. Just because of the way gerrymandering was done, uh-huh. which is a traditional way that African Americans are marginalized and uh, kept. You know, they're, they're such classic, and unfortunately, we see some... Uh, going backwards in these areas mm-hmm. of voting rights, um, but that's such a classic way to keep a people down is by not not allowing them to vote or to hinder their access. And um, we see some of that happening right now throughout the South and mm-hmm. in parts of the Midwest, and it's it's frightening, actually. Absolutely, yeah. I know there there is, a, and especially you know with 
some of the things that are going on here, even in Chicago, too, you know, um, that I know has been very difficult for a lot of different communities. And, um, you know, you certainly shed light on that um, on the news. And I'm, I'm so grateful for your work in sex trafficking and covering a lot of different populations that go unnoticed. So thank you for your work in journalism thank there. Thank you, Kelly. Thank yeah. you for yeah. your participation. I don't know if you've shared that you were part of the Survivors Project and you were one of the inspirations for the project. Mm. That event that mm-hmm. you talked about you came, I talked to you that day and you were willing to share. I talked to two other women that day and they were willing to share. And I had done work for the past, for the previous five years or so on sex trafficking. And when you were willing to share and these other women, I was like, what? There is no way I can't try to find a way for them to share. Mm-hmm. If someone wants to express this most awful part of what happened in their world, but not just what happened, how they got through it Mm -hmm. and how you grew from it and how it became part of your story, your agency. You took it back, in other words. Mm -hmm. I I, I felt so moved by you and those two other women. Mm -hmm. I I, I had to figure out a way to do it. Mm. And that's where Survivors Project came from. So thank you. Yeah, You really were part of the inspiration for that project. Well, and it's something that, you know, can be so shameful and so isolating and to be able to connect with other women through sharing story and being able to support one another, um, I get back so much more um, in just being able to connect on that level. So, Can I explain more about what the Survivors yes, Project please, is? please do. So what the Survivors Project is, is a digital uh, project, a platform basically for um, sexual violence survivors to share their story. And sort of it's broken up. It's, it's straight, as you know, just your voice, you speaking, talking about what happened to you. And really, I, I, I always try to frame it as explaining what happened, talking about how you got through it, and sharing advice for other victims to help them become survivors, mm-hmm. to get them on that journey. I mean, so many of you have talked about how it's a journey to go mm-hmm. from victim to survivor. And so I really wanted to provide that platform. So what we do is we have, it's just in your own words, we have it interspersed with statistics that sort of help illuminate what you might be talking about, and mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. And uh, we have different types of examples of how people have been victimized. We even have a a man that's part of our project Mm -hmm. who is a victim of pre-sex abuse. We have um, a student who was assaulted while she was at school. We have uh, another woman who was uh, victimized by a friend. So there's a, there, I mean, because sexual violence comes in many shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't discriminate. It certainly mm-hmm. does not mm-hmm. discriminate. So this way I felt like it's there as a living organic um, resource for anyone who maybe wants to check in on it or send someone to it. So it's a way to actually meet other survivors mm-hmm. without necessarily meeting you face face to face. You mm-hmm. get a chance to understand the experience and the point being hopefully to help people and i know that's what every single one of you have wanted to do right now i think we have about eight survivors and Mm. 
still working on growing it. Um, it is a, it's a, it's a big project, but it's on NBC Chicago's webpage and we'll be there mm, forever. Thank you for plugging that. No, <laughs> I wanted everybody to understand what it was as we were talking about it. Well, and it, you know, I, I don't think people do know about it and they don't hear about it. And sometimes people are afraid to ask. So being able to change the conversation is what's so important. And also what I love about it is it guides people to be able to find services to be able to get treatment when they are ready. That's true. We um, do have a really resource important. page. Mm-hmm. The resource page covers everything from any studies that may have been done on some of the specifics that we talked about uh, to um, hotlines, to uh, access to social services mm-hmm. and, and counseling services. Anything that we've touched on, I try to have a touch point that people can go to to get more information or to or to get resources or to talk to somebody one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, can we talk about NBC for a, a minute? Of course. Um, you know, it is such an amazing network. And what I'm so struck by is your industry can be kind of cutthroat from what I've seen from afar. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of changes happen and people's contracts are up and they get moved to a different network. And what has been so comforting for me as a viewer is the consistency. I mean, I have seen the same people around for a really long time and there's a sense of unity there and teamwork and professionalism and what is it like for you being at a station for as long as you have is it 20 years it's 22 years two days ago january 2nd 1998 was my my work anniversary uh three days ago now today the sixth four days ago um do you have some nostalgia and thinking about what that was like when you started (laughs) i am blown away that i've been at one place Mm -hmm. not just in chicago but at one station right all this time. I have to credit uh, Larry Wirt for that, for keeping me around, because he was our general manager for 15 years, uh, 15 of those 22 years, and that helps to have that continuity. There's a lot of change, <clears throat> excuse me, in our industry because there's a lot of change at the top, mm-hmm. and when change at the top happens, it tends to trickle down, and we had we had a great management for a long, long time, so it helped me sort of stick around. We have new management now. Great guy, doing well, but just I think that consistency helped me stick around a long time as well. And my boss, Frank Whitaker, has been around all of that mm-hmm. the entire time, really. <laughs> right. He's so, a lifer. <laughs> he is. So again, he, that's another reason why I've been able to to hang in there, I believe. And, you know, we do. We have a really strong team. We really, really do. People care about each other. People care about what they're doing. There's a real commitment to Chicago. Mm. This is no this is a no joke news town. You know, you can't play around here. People see through you. It took five years before people really acknowledged that I was even here. <laughs> you know, they were like, Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll see in a few years. See if you hang around a little oh while. Oh my gosh. You know, so this is a this is a for real town. Mm-hmm. So it's been a blessing too. It's a great city. Yeah. And it sounds like there's a lot of gratitude for being able to be in one city and one station for oh, yeah. your career. Do you think you'll retire? And, and that's, I shouldn't say it like Kelly. That. Do you think you will retire at NBC? Kelly. Or, or do you have I'm bigger only ass 35 years old. I got here at 15. No. <laughs> I mean, do you have any um, bigger dreams or aspirations or... Bucket list items. I'm always trying to grow. I'm Mm. always, I I never stop learning. I always want to reach and stretch and figure out ways to have an impact and, and, 
everything. I mean, always. I, I hope I never stop growing and never stop learning. So, yes, I do. I'm I'm still trying to figure out next steps for me. They, they don't include retirement for a long time because <laughs> I've got a kid to put through college. Like, you know, 15, 20 years, maybe. <laughs> I, my daughter is only in eighth grade, okay? So, I, gotta, I, I will be, I may be the oldest newscaster. I'll just put me in the corner. I'll be on for five or ten minutes walking in my walker um no but i i can't imagine not working in some way shape or form and i hope i'm always able to contribute to society in some way Mm -hmm. um i hope i'm always able to raise awareness that's that's always going to be a passion of mine to to be a voice for the voiceless and raise awareness about issues that are important to our community Mm -hmm. and and when i speak about our community I, I mean people that are marginalized I think the I think the folks that have a lot of money and have a lot of power and have a lot of position there's other people we have at our station our political team is fantastic at holding people to account mm-hmm. in those worlds I feel like part of my role at least what I feel most passionate about is making sure to help folks that are on the margins that do not necessarily get a chance to be heard mm. That's why I love you. Aww. And we have the same birthday. We do. <laughs> April 18th. April 18th. Aries, fire. Uh-huh. You got it. <laughs> which which I want to segue into a little bit of, of personal um, growth. And, and, you know, you mentioned your daughter who's in eighth grade. I have a son who's in eighth grade. It's, you know, a Such crazy a fun time. time. <laughs> you know, and stressful. And, and I know you're a single mom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I forget you're a celebrity because you are... Um, just so grounded and as we were checking into the building you know uh the woman who was checking us in was like ah Marion you know and and um I would imagine it it has to be difficult um as a woman who is in the public eye but you have a tendency to keep your personal life very private you know there's a couple of articles that have been written about your divorce and um you know not much else and I'm so um, in awe by how you can walk that line so um, humbly. And um, I, I'd just like to hear about that a little bit. And I know that there are a lot of women who are professionals and single moms who are are thinking of about going through divorce and are terrified to do it on their own. And, and I'm always looking for women who have gone before them, who can inspire them and give them strength mm-hmm. to to do it the way, the best that they can. Well, I am far from perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made many mistakes in my life and in my journey, so I don't pretend to have all the answers. Um, but I do try to live authentically. And I do try to be open because I do think it's, I don't know other, any other way to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, um, I, I don't know, I don't want to put out a persona like I've just got this best life. I mean, I struggle. You're it's human. hard. Yeah, It's absolutely. hard to be a single parent of a 13-year-old girl, mm-hmm. you know? And it's challenging to deal with some of her stresses and my stress. And I just, I just do my best every day. I try really hard to be present for her. I try to... Um, surround myself with good people that can help me when I need them um, and uh, who, who love her. My family's not here. Everybody's out in Oregon. So I try to surround myself with really positive people. I really, I really, one of my mottos in life is to not surround myself 
with any sort of toxicity if I can avoid it. Oh, I love that. Do you know what it's, I mean? It's so important because it's contagious oh. and, you, and and we can feel that energy. You can. And, yeah. I don't want the negativity. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to approach you with sunshine every day. Mm-hmm. And I find that when you do, you really get that back. You know, there's you a difference. That. You attract it. Mm-hmm. If you go around the you know, grumpy and, you know, frowning and people are going to bring that back to you or they're just not going to feel like they can approach you or, you know, mm-hmm. bring you a smile and help right. you in your day. Right. And even that just makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. Right. So I just, I really try to keep toxicity away from my life if I can. It's not always easy. Yeah. But I do try. I well, do. and and then I'm curious, you know, as the last piece of this interview to talk a little bit about your spirituality and, um, you know, I am somebody who firmly believes in the power of the universe and people coming into our life for a certain reason and connection. Um, what has your journey been like? I get that that sense from you, but oh, I'd yeah. love to hear about your, you know, belief system, whether it's religious or spiritual. You know, those are two completely different things, in my opinion. Um, well, I am happy to share. I am a Christian and I actually... Um, had a, a near-death experience when I was 23 years old. I had an ectopic pregnancy. Oh I nearly bled to death. And it that went from that tra- trauma, which was a traumatic experience, to panic attacks. And then I had panic disorder. So I was debilitated. It was, I could not find it. And I think we've shared a little mm-hmm. bit about how, and you know how anxiety can cripple. Absolutely. It was, it was beyond crippling. And... It was the only time in my life I'd ever thought, I can't live this way. If I have to live this way, I can't live this way. Mm -hmm. So I was searching for something. And what I found was through reading the Bible, and I'm a a born-again Christian, that's where I found my solace and my my strength was through Jesus Christ, mm. um, and that is that is the honest to God truth. That's that's now I'm not perfect. <laughs> I have made many many mistakes, um, even in my faith journey. Sure, but it has always been my grounding force. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, prayer, church, fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and even within the church, I get disappointed with with where the church is sometimes. Like, this is not the way Jesus lived. You know, <laughs> this is not what he was talking about. I read it in the Bible. It's not the way it's supposed to be. But you're talking about leadership. But you're talking all, about fellowship. People yes. who come together. And there is some toxicity within there an can organization. Be. There can be. Yeah. But the truth yeah. is, even within the church, mm-hmm. everyone is human and fallible and that's one of the things that jesus understood better than anybody (laughs) and that's why he came to save us and i've been blessed i have been supremely blessed to have found i believe that jesus christ my lord and savior jesus christ so i know you didn't want to go necessarily down that road but that (laughs) it's a a big part of it's a big part of my life it's a part of my life that i'm happy to share Mm -hmm. um i don't get an opportunity as much Mm -hmm. uh on the air i certainly have to be neutral about um my views on 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 anything um but in person and in life i'm Mm -hmm. happy to share well and again you can I, i am very um aware of people's energies and i have always felt that from you and i think people are attracted to that and so um i appreciate you sharing and and being vulnerable um because you're right you you're not on the 430 news talking about your your <laughs> yeah, journey i'm not allowed to, i'm not allowed to, to to do to do that do you think your daughter has any interest in following in your in your footsteps and i don't know i, I think career path wise i don't know maybe mm-hmm. um She's a gifted writer 
she's a really smart, smart young woman. And uh, get it, you know, I can see her maturity coming along. You know this age. It's such an interesting age. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure themselves out. But she's always been a gifted writer. Um, I don't know that she'd want to do this piece of it, but I could see her in some way, shape, or form cr- being creative and um, expressing herself mm. in a creative way. I don't know if it, maybe it will be podcasts, radio, maybe it would be acting or writing or, but I do think her her space will be somewhere where she gets an opportunity to write and express herself and language. She loves languages. So I could see her mm. maybe being a linguist. I don't know. What a cool kid. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you are such a role model, um, I'm sure for her, but for so many people along the spectrum of age. And so um, anybody who does have an opportunity to meet you um, is really lucky. And, and I feel very grateful to be able to interview you. It's, oh, I've been watching you since I was 20. 22. Oh, thank <laughs> and you. here I am almost 42. So um, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Be who you needed when you were younger. Be your own Shiro. Now get out there and wreak havoc on this world. Thanks.